hello and welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. I am your host, Spencer, and, uh, well, first off, I just want to say, it, it might sound like I don't like this movie. I do. It's just, I'm kind of tired today, and, uh, I fell asleep at one point during it, because I was kind of <laughs> tired, and not because mm. of the movie, because it's just, I, 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 I made a mistake of, if I lay down and watch something, I will fall asleep, no matter what. Mm. Even if it's, like, Seven Samurai, I will fall asleep if I, like, just lay down. So Seven Samurai is three hours. And this is two and a half hours. Like, both yeah. are very long movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, first off, uh, uh, other voice, uh, who are you? My name is no. Joel T. No, the other oh, voice. Oh, sorry. I thought oh, you were the people. What, do you think our audience knows who the hell I am? Yes, I'm doing, I'm doing my jokey, dismissive, like, <laughs> thing to you. I didn't know that was something you would do. My God. <laughs> uh, my name's Aaron. <laughs> That's this voice. Hello, Aaron. Nice Hello. to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. I have no Again. name. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Joel, you're here too, right? No. What was the previous episode she was on? Blow up, blow up. Oh yeah, that's good. No, no Spencer didn't like it. I uh, know. That's the one he should have fell asleep during. Uh, I probably would have fallen asleep if I didn't have to work that morning. Mm. Mm. Right, um, <laughs> so pronounce this this name the name of this movie here for me. French? Anybody? Yeah. No, I'm not gonna say it in French. It's, it's le deuxième souffle. Uh, souffle. Sounds close enough. Or souffle. I mean, I, yeah. It's probably That's souffle. My... Uh, yeah, souffle. They, dro- they dropped the uh, souffle. I think they dropped every letter except for like L and like one or two others. Mm. I believe souffle has an accent on it. However, the mm. leader. Yeah, uh, yeah there's e. some bullshit rules. Like if it's X, that's. I want to talk about uh, French grammar. But if there's an X, that's like changing a form and conjugating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Zutalo. Yeah, French grammar is bullshit. Well, I think all most grammar rules are all, are bullshit. When you, I think most people think American, you know, not American. <laughs> Might as well be. Yeah, mm-hmm. English is bullshit with all our. Yeah, but like l- learning another language, the grammar stuff is always like Jesus Christ. I I hate <laughs> this so much. Spanish is pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. I think Spanish and French and Portuguese, like once you know, you know the kind of the rules of the Romantic languages, you can kind of get there. But yeah, and I tried Russian before, and never again. The Russian <laughs> grammar is the worst. Korean's probably like pretty. It's pretty efficient, but you. The only thing is, you really have to pay attention to the honorifics. Hmm. But um, once you learn the like the logistics, it's. Not super hard. All right. So, uh, <laughs> uh, also, also on the language note, uh, this is yet another literal title. Usually, I'll bring up the title translation if it's interesting, but so far, like almost every episode, if it's French, the title is literally the just the direct translation, which mm. is kind of boring, honestly. Like, the Italian ones are where it gets kind of goofy mm. and ridiculous. But yeah, the <laughs> Yeah, so the title r- r- really is a second breath. Mm-hmm. 
I've also seen Second Wind. Yeah, that I think, makes more sense. Which to me. I think does make sense plot yeah. wise. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I was like, how does Second Breath work? But Second Wind, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Melville. We're going to do a La Samurai episode with Bo North potentially in the future. Uh, maybe Megan will be on that one too. Uh, we we kind of really decided on that yet. She might when crash. Mm-hmm. She might crash? Yeah, she might crash us. <laughs> like, oh, I heard you were talking about a movie without me. I'm here. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah. Melville. The first Melville I ever saw was La Samurai. It was maybe, mm-hmm. I think, 10 years ago. Yeah, we like close to 10 years ago. And I thought at the time it was just excruciatingly boring. And I realized that's why I stopped watching French New Wave movies. Because mm. I saw Alphaville, and then I watched that. And my yeah. gut reaction was like, if, if this is French New Wave, I want no part of this. Really? And I, and I went straight. I think that's why I went straight into like Kurosawa. And like, mm-hmm. I'm going full Japan. Just French New Wave stuff is garbage. <laughs> did you ever rewatch Alphaville? Like, do you still not like it, or did you ever come around to it? It's just, I like every Godard except for My Life to Live is just kind of boring. Mm. And it's like it's important. I see why it's important. I just kind of don't care. Mm-hmm. Godard is kind of like his head, like his head is up, his head is up his own ass too much, especially <laughs> contempt, which is like. This is your third movie. Calm the fuck down, all right? <laughs> uh, you kind of understand where I'm coming from. It's like, Jesus Christ, you're, you're, this is your third movie. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, I, I look back on uh, contempt with, like, favorable vision, but I know, and it's all over the podcast we did, like, <laughs> how irritated I was at the time. At, like, this is just the director representing himself beating off. <laughs> like, this, like oh this beautiful woman doesn't love me oh no well I guess she'll die in a car accident spoiler for that movie um, yeah but I, like it's so goofy and that that kind of makes me want to rewatch it especially with uh, what's his name in it Jean-Pierre Jack Palance oh, oh, oh Jack Palance um, I think of a different movie uh, Contempt is Jack Palance is the American uh, uh, movie Direct, producer. Or, like, producer, yeah. yeah okay, oh, so. oh, 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 I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. No, the lead the lead should have been, like, uh, it. well, not sure on Vin John Palomando. Like, the, the lead in that one is supposed to be, like, an, smart, and Palomando always comes off as, like, dumb, hunky guy. And so it wouldn't work. <laughs> I don't know. I like that movie, but I also am very into the aspect of French New Wave. That's just like, watch these beautiful people be sad <laughs> and uh, kind of crappy towards each other. Also, so, we yeah, get Belmondo uh, in the bathtub. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Michelle Piccoli <laughs> in that one. Oh, it's Piccoli uh, in that? Yes. Oh, well, then never mind. I'm thinking of something. Uh, Belmondo's in... Uh, Pierre LeFou and I think Made in America. He's in, he's in a whole shitload. All right. Well, Piccoli is just as beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And he wears a hat while he's in the bathtub. Yeah. 
That's classy. He is yeah, in the he, bathtub. Okay, at least I got that part right. Yeah, Nicole yes. died like a year or two ago, and he's like over 90. Yeah, that's crazy. And he was still making movies. All right, so uh, what's, your, what's your guy's history with Melville? So I had watched Little Samurai as well, and that's is that later than this? Yes. Isn't that 70 or something? It's a year or two after this. Oh, okay. And that's Alan Delon, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Character. Yeah, if you want, I oh. love that movie. I mean, I love anything Alan Delon's in, but I, yeah, I really like that movie. I love him in movies, but then we had the episode of someone who revealed he's a shitty person in real life. Yeah, I mean. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of tired of how many shitty people get revealed <laughs> because we did this season. <laughs> like, oh, that person was actually a total asshole. Like, what? Right. Okay, I'll add it to the list. <laughs> yeah, it's fine to watch the movies. Just like, if if you want to be the, be depressed and learn stuff you probably don't want to learn about him, th- just don't bother looking and in, looking into like his life at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he's dead now, so it's not like he's going to make money off of us. Delon. <laughs> yeah, Delon's been alive. dead. No. Pretty sure that Elaine Delon's still alive. Right, I'm looking. Check that. It says he's eighty-six. Uh, yeah, oh my so gosh, you are alive. right. Oh, I totally thought he had died. Well, look at that. So, somebody on uh, this is slightly off topic. No, it's it's definitely off topic, but related to what we're talking about right now. Somebody revealed that Al Jaffe, who if mm-hmm. you guys know Mad Magazine from back in the day, mm-hmm. he's a hundred years old and still alive. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's awesome. That is awesome. It's the laughter. They're they're living pretty long these days. Yep. That's good. And they're still in Congress, god damn it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Term limits for all elected officials. Um, should we talk about who's in this movie? Because um, I was delighted to see someone. Uh, I, I'll say the only other Jean-Pierre Melville movie I've seen is Le Cercle Rouge, and it was... I loved that. Yes. I have uh, uh, cooler feelings about this one, yeah. and that seems to be the opposite of what some people I respect think. <laughs> but uh, let's get into it, yeah. Yeah. So, so who were you excited about? Yeah. So, oh, briefly, I mentioned we probably won't cover Le Cercle Rouge in an episode, and since we're going to do Le Samurai, and that's off limits for the other one, that might be uh, a part of an episode. So, wait, you're not gonna you're not gonna cover you're not gonna dedicate an episode to Le Cercle Rouge? It depends on what the two guys pick for the for the oh, mega episode. That's one of my favorite movies. I forgot that that was Melville. Or uh, maybe I tell them to. I don't know how much Melville's easily available, so that's kind of the problem of like t- dividing it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but that's a good one. It's like perfect heist movie. Yeah, uh, from what I understand, Samurai is the outlier. That's him just kind of. Uh, just being like, I'm just going to experiment with it one time with like pure style. Mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of the one that is most famous, but is inaccurate to like what the other movies are from our stand. Hmm. Right. So somebody would watch Le Samurai and might be disappointed by one of his more, uh, more, one of his more traditional crime films for him. Yeah. 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 I can see that. 
All right, uh, kind of this. I'm I am on the edge of my seat. Aaron, who were you excited to see? Oh, um, Paul Marousse or Marace or however you say his last name. Okay, it's the um, the detective. Ah, uh, blocked. Uh, Yes. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that's his character's name. Um, so Blot, uh, that actor I had seen before in um, Diabolique, and, which I think is like 10 years before or 11 years before this was made, um, which is one of my favorite movies. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't think I've recognized him in anything, but he has such an interesting voice and like his jowls, his like face shape is very interesting. Um, mm. So, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised to see him. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I just realized we don't have any uh Clouseau. Clouseau? Yeah, Clouseau. Clouseau? Mm-hmm. Yeah, planned out for a season. You mean the Pink Panther? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, wait, well I don't want to do Diablo, that's too famous. I'd rather do uh the trucker one. What? Convoy? That's not No. <laughs> um, the Pink Panther is not in Convoy. Wagers of Fear. Mm, oh, I love that fear, freaking yeah. movie. The people yeah. who say that uh, the one with Roy Scheider mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is better, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the many uh, bullshit things that Friedkin will talk about, how it's yeah. not a remake. It, it, he's a fascinating guy who has crazy things to say about stuff where it's like, Calm down. Quit doing coke for a second. It, it, it's fine. You can just be chill for. Uh, that's that's no that's not that's not a news to anyone. Like that, he's kind of a maniac in real life. Uh, it's news to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's the man who made Bug. I had no idea. Yeah, he's he's a he's a he's a character for better mm. and for worse. I'm not sure I recognized very many people, but, like, th- that was one of my problems with the movie. Because I have, like, this partial face blindness, which probably has to do with the fact that I can't make eye contact with anybody, uh, in real life at least. But it also applies to movies. Like, l- let me give you a very simple and stupid example. Well, I shouldn't say stupid. Stop being mean to yourself, Joel. Uh, when our main guy, Gustav... Mm-hmm. Put on his little mustache. I didn't mm. know it was him. It's pre- it's a pretty good disguise in your defense. I'd, it, I'd be a terrible cop. And the like, well, um the glasses. The yeah, yes. it was pretty good. It was like very simple, but like just enough that I think it would have worked. Yeah, it took me like a couple of bus changes for me to go like, oh, oh, that's okay. okay. <laughs> that's why we were following the stranger. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, I guess we talk about negatives first, like. For me, like, to talk about us, the last recording we did on Brotherhood of the Wolf, a lot of these people look the same, and I kind of had trouble at a certain point. The second half, when they're talking, they're, like, naming people, I was trying to <laughs> picture in my head, who are they talking about again? I'm, I can't, I, I'm not sure who's who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point that at the, when it was over, like, it, you could, I could still follow it enough I knew what was happening, but I had to read a synopsis at the end and be like, who are these people exactly? And I, I'm not, I didn't know who Paul was. I thought Paul oh. was one of the cops the whole time. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. Paul's not a cop. Then what? Pa- Paul is like the only nice guy in the movie. Am yeah. I? <laughs> yeah. I could see. Agreed. He's like, um, gets his feelings hurt really bad. <laughs> I like uh, Albin, too, the bodyguard. 
I uh, like album, and, and he just disappears. He after... really disappears, yeah. I'm like, come on. But he's kind his... of like a Frankenstein character, like Frankenstein's monster. Like, I just, he has such a interesting brow yeah. <laughs> on his face, and like the way he's like very tall and hulking, and um, because he, he does look different, I think, than the other guys, yeah. which is why he's he stands incredibly out. distinctive, yeah, in the mm-hmm. face. Would not mistake him. Yeah. Uh, uh, another reason why it's like, there, there are so many different characters in the movie that they do mention. Uh, question. At the end, when they trick Go into Guy, Guy, Go, Gustav, into uh, accidentally spilling those beans, mm-hmm. um, they mentioned Nevada. Was that a character before? Oh, that is a great question, because I definitely... When he said Nevada, I immediately went to the American state, because <laughs> they had mentioned Miami like before they, you know, um, before they robbed the armored car, because they were like, you know, two hundred million dollars will get you far in Miami or whatever. And so I just thought he was like, Nevada, I'm going to Nevada. <laughs> and then I realized he was like a character, and I was like, I don't know who that guy is. So no, I have no idea who that character is. Yeah, that makes me feel a little bit better. Thank you. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure, um, Aaron, you knew, you know this. The quote in the beginning of *The Samurai* is bullshit, and he and Melville made it up about the Bushido <laughs> code. Oh, is it? That yeah, doesn't yeah. surprise me. And so I'm wondering: is, do you th- do you think do you two think the quote in the beginning about like choosing your own death is like bullshit and made up, or, or do you think that's being genuine? It's movie who, or ironic? Who was it attributed to? Yeah, that's what my question is. I don't remember. Is, is it a pope? Because that's probably <laughs> it's probably not true. <laughs> if if of course if it doesn't have an attribution, then he's quoting himself, which is fine. Yeah. Well, it's not like the Fargo based on true story thing. Yeah. I mean, and well, the other thing is this is based off of a novel, apparently. Hmm. So, um, yeah, because it says adapted and realized by Jean-Pierre Melville, uh, which, yeah, I know nothing about the novel, but um, it could come from there. I, I, I probably mentioned this. Melville, obviously, that's, that's not his real name. That's a, a fake name he chose during the war when he was part of the French Resistance. That's a good, that's a good name. He... I don't know if I consider him French New Wave personally because he was already making movies uh, in the 40s mm-hmm. and he was kind of just like the uh, one of the guys that the f- that the cachet du cinema people liked because like they famously hated like a lot of the mainstream French movies mm-hmm. and would like, talk him down but Melville was like the one guy that they uh, actually kind of liked and would you know uh, uh, prop up, mm-hmm. and so I don't. I guess my question is: Would you consider Melville a like a French New Wave director, or do would you consider him as like a director who of whom who was making like movies of at the same time as like the younger generation? I definitely think it fits into New Wave because of the like futility and like the. Uh, uh, I don't know, like this, like overall melancholy and feeling of like helplessness. Like you're, you know, you start the movie in, you know, in the middle of something, and like they, there's no way out of it but death. 
<laughs> like that that's very new wave to me. However, I definitely think stylistically this one and aspects of Le Samurai and Le Cirque Rouge, but definitely this one feel very like it it makes sense that he started in the 40s cuz this feels very film noir um in so many ways. And even like the shadow, like the how it's shot is is very noirish. But yeah. um but I think he definitely adapted some of the new wave style or you know, it rubbed off on him or something. But yeah, I, I think it fits. It, it does take a, a little bit of criticizing towards the the way police are ha- handle cases and stuff like that, which I, I think is a mm. French new wave, you know, usually talking about mm-hmm. politics. Uh, a complete lack of philosophical talk, which is I, shocking. I appreciated mm. that. I, I like that there is no... We're going to spend 10 minutes discussing the philosophy of... Mm-hmm. Ball, uh, Balzac and why Catholics can <laughs> are allowed to do math for fun, which comes up in a French New Wave movie where it's like half of it is discussion about like uh, this one philosopher who was a Catholic and talking about is it moral for a Catholic to do math for fun? It's like I don't fucking I don't know I don't know oh yeah I know that movie about. I can't think of what that is uh, anyway yes. Yeah, it's like I don't I care. I don't care about this philosophy shit. Like, I want more art. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's like it's oh, m- thank God. My night at mods is where. Oh, that's cat, that's where it comes from. Yeah, talking about because he's a Catholic man, and oh no, and <laughs> philosophy. How can you believe in a philosopher who disagrees mm-hmm. with your belief in religion? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I I'm a human being who's capable of holding more than one idea at the same time. It's not. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think fatalistic is the word I was looking for earlier. Yeah, that's yeah. that is definitely in this, and that to me underlines a lot of any of the new wave stuff. That's, um, that's very true. Yeah, but like, I mean, you know, spoilers of this movie. Like, I could have predicted by like minute six that this was going to end in a room with, you know men all looking at each other and people were gonna get no one was gonna leave that room alive like that you know i don't know so i mean when we first meet sam rockwell uh you know with the other guys oh i'm sorry uh i mean the the young guy who like uh does the sniper rifle to hit the first cop yeah he starts looking and acting in a way that i feel like i've seen sam rockwell do exactly like you're kind of suspicious but you also are showing respect, but I think you're going to double... Oh, okay, there you yeah. go. Double cross. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how about that shot at the beginning with the, you know, when there's three prisoners and then suddenly there's two prisoners escaping? Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it was very unexpected. No the man one left behind. Sails over the wall. Poor guy. Yeah, uh, I, I did take notes in the beginning, but eventually I, I did not... Uh, continue but my note about that was uh, this is a man escaped the uh Bresson movie but done in about oh, two or three minutes okay that's cool. hilarious mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah uh watching this all could like my first thought was oh of course john woo loves melville oh my gosh <laughs> oh my gosh like, double Kong guns C- yeah and like hong kong cinema <laughs> of like the 80s and 90s like Oh yeah, I, I see, I see Melville all over these movies all of a sudden. 
Well, even like 70s, like I was thinking like, you know, French Connection and like all of that kind of stuff. Like even like even Taxi Driver, the the scene at the end where um, the the guy that you, Joel, were just saying looks like <laughs> reminds you of Sam Rockwell when he's shot and then like hits against the mirror and slides down like that to me felt very like Scorsese and, you know, Taxi Driver. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely think this is super inspirational for those guys in the 70s. Yeah, and I believe Sean Roop said, like, his favorite movies are, like, Singing in the Rain, Animal Samurai, which, again, it's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> that, that makes perfect <laughs> sense. I, I, uh, I'm not going to say what I think about John Woo. Let's just say that people will be mad at me. It, uh, we have a whole <laughs> episode where we say that the Prefless remake is better than original. I think you can spout your opinion. Yeah, but I've literally <laughs> never heard anyone say that they thought that John Woo movies were kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, in my defense, I've only seen um, one of the Hong Kong movies, and the rest have all been the American stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Even the poster for this looks like a John Woo movie. Yeah. Like the, the guns in the forefront you know, and like the angle of it's back to his face. And uh, yeah, so I definitely see the influence there. Yeah, and it's totally like the whole ending, like this feels like the whole heroic bloodshed subgenre thing. And like we bring us up a lot too, like Tarantino, obviously, like with the out sequence stuff and like the it's mm-hmm. like some Tarantino isms of like, I bet he's, a, he's a, a Melville guy. Oh my gosh. The whole, the whole robbery felt very like, uh, you know, it's quiet, everyone knows their role. Then there's like, you know, after they push the armored car off of the cliff, there's that like really great shot. It's probably my favorite shot in the movie of the four guys in their like funeral coats standing on the horizon or whatever. That was like, it's freaking Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> like, it's it's definitely Tarantino. Yeah, and like, uh, and during the whole heist thing, like when they, uh, uh, who cares if we spoil it? Like, it's, yeah, like, the, like you pretty much know I mean, what the movie is. I already is. revealed the end. Yeah, but like <laughs> when it like probably half an hour in, I realized, oh, I I know what this movie is, and not in a bad mm-hmm. way. This was like it's such a boilerplate. That's a word. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A, it's like like a standard crime. Yep. Which again, Ooh. not not saying it's a bad thing. It's just like you know if if. If you don't like that type of story, you probably won't like this movie. But I like that type of story, so I like this movie. I think one thing that's missing from this movie that also separates it from the French New Wave is the the one woman, you know, mm. that's that uh, uh, Christina Fabrice. Manouche. that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't betray him at any point, Mm-mm. and she doesn't somehow turn out to be the bad guy or whatever like I, I a lot of french new wave it's yeah yeah um it's also i forgot many times throughout the movie that she was his sister and not his lady she was i what <laughs> yeah I, I know there's a there's a kiss that feels i mean i don't know it's french who knows yeah, but I, uh it, i had to look up th- the plot and when it was over i was like they're not brother and sister this is wrong they have a romantic <laughs> dinner. No, there. And she leaves her gloves there. Supposedly, sister and brother. And, 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 and there's a whole moment where he's like, <laughs> the, Europeans, the one, am I right? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the part where that guy, Alvin, brings, like, nice dinner clothes. Like, she's coming yeah. over for dinner. You should look nice. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, they're lovers, clearly, right? Yeah, what do you, he takes her coat, and she, she looks stunning in that dress that she's wearing. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I know what's going to happen here. So, <laughs> so, so, oh, my God, they're related. Mm-hmm. So is this the Dreamers? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, it's it's like Joe Dirt when you think when he thought that uh, what's her name was actually his sister. Oh. <laughs> uh, only on your podcast would you mention the Dreamers and Joe Dirt mm-hmm. in a yeah. episode about Melville. We, yeah, we only talk about the hits. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, as a woman, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's very masculine. The movie. It's a very very masculine movie. Uh, so there's definitely like emotions that like on a personal level, I couldn't care. I just, I couldn't care about. Um, however, as a, you know, watching a story unfold, I enjoyed it, but, uh, there was no, there was never any connection that I felt with any of the characters, even her. Like I just, you know, they're just, they were just players to me. It was a huge problem for me that I... I didn't really sympathize or empathize with anybody until about the end. Like, I kind of started to be like, oh, okay, okay. But yeah. he's going to go get himself killed because he knows that will keep her safe. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you can relate to their, like, his desperation, I guess. Um, and knowing that he's been betrayed and, like, you know, he's had so many steps that he takes to get to the point where he is at the end. And that's that's kind of... You know, I don't know. Sympathetic, I can be sympathetic, I guess, to that. But, but that was the only kind of missing element for me was that I was just like, I don't care about any of these characters. Mm-hmm. It's the like the classic like action movie thing where it's like, it's the, the these tough men who don't express emotion, but you know, but but like you know what they're feeling, but they don't have to express it because they're men, type thing. Right. And, and like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't this is a in between of like i know what you're going for but didn't really yeah it, it wasn't 100 percent successful well i think it's also an age thing like i think because to me the point of this movie and the you know with the title and everything was that like this is his like he's an old criminal at this point like he you know he's almost trying to retire essentially um, and this seems like his like last big gig, like his last job or whatever. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the movie could have been called like the last job, and it's right. still accurate. Yeah, and so that also, I just like, you know, I get it. Like, I get it from a characterization aspect and like what his motivations are. But uh, I just think it's something that felt like, you know, if I was a sixty-year-old man watching this, I think I would have like a very different reaction to it. I guess. Yeah. Oh, I just realized another connection, uh, possible influence. Uh, Kenji Fukasaku, he did a lot of Yakuza movies in the 70s, probably, the, in my opinion, the, the best ones. And uh, this plot is like the plot of probably like a quarter to a third of them. And it like to the point where it's just here, sympathy, where is it? Sympathy for the underdog just feels hmm. like. Uh, a Yakuza version of this story. Really? It's, yeah. That's it's, interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a really great 
movie that has uh, where the uh, the violence is a is a bit more extreme because it's the 70s in Japan and they could get away with that. But sure. uh, in essence, this is a, all the same thing. Yeah. I think yeah. that's probably enough airing of dirty laundry. Hmm? You know, when it comes to this movie, <laughs> let's move on to what did you like? Yeah. I like the heist. I like mm-hmm. I like this type of one last job, even though I always know how it's going to go. I still like I still like having the hope of like I hope they succeed, even though in my heart I know they're not going to. <laughs> yeah, it's a new wave movie. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's not going to be a happy ending. Hmm. I I think that uh, the way that everything goes basically exactly how they expected it to with the exception of that driver coming along and even then they handle it without an oh issue. yeah mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like come on come on no mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. okay it's fine uh i was thinking of uh i was trying to think of an american director that i've seen do this like quiet meticulous you see all of the job and i was like michael My- man oh, i was about to say that mm, yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely inspired by that yeah another guy who's kind of a jackass like melville (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i agree i think that that was my favorite part was that it's like pretty meticulously planned and um and it's a good plan like the the whole aspect of them um you know driving in two separate cars like coming from either end having a sniper like uh being on a cliffside like it was just really smart and then the fact that it was, like, silent um, was, like, I don't know. It just showed that they're, like, brilliant criminals. <laughs> uh, I did like the style, too, of the um, the face masks that they wore. Mm-hmm. There was something, like, very elegant about them. Because <laughs> they were, like, these, like, sateen, like, face masks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're cool. ki- yeah they were, like, yeah. kind of off-putting a little bit. It is, like, it's distinctive, but also vague at the same time. Yeah, like, it's creepy. But elegant, I thought, yeah. yeah. And, like, the whole, the, the uh, like, the cherry on top of where they, like, they knock over the porta potty was both hilarious and <laughs> amazing at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, funny. there were points of, um, like, genuine humor that I really liked. Like, the, um, at the beginning when, you know, they realized that Goo has escaped and, uh, Manoush and Albin are in that restaurant and those guys come in and start shooting and then immediately the detective comes in and he's kind of being like very sarcastic with them. And he's like, oh, you guys don't have any customers? What was the queen hitchhiking outside or whatever? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought they were he was kind of hamming it up and I really liked him. Yeah, I, I was looking forward to Blot mm-hmm. doing, uh, you know, and uh, every time we saw him in a scene, I, I did enjoy it and basically until... <laughs> Until when they captured Goo. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, this guy's an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. And it's real dirty what he does to Manoush at the end. Yeah. When he tells yeah. her that he didn't say anything. Why would he do that? Name. He said her name. I wonder if it's a similar thing in noir where, because um, I've seen it before, I want to say, is it out of the past? There is something when um, someone. Uh, protects someone else like Mm. by being like yeah he was a jerk like so you can like so you can move on i guess kind of thing so that i thought maybe was what he was doing but also yeah he's 
kind of a jerk, so I don't. I just don't know. Um, and but he, you know, takes the time to throw down the book with the the two forced confessions yeah. into the press. So he's like, uh, I want to do something to slightly set things right. I guess yeah. I don't know, but that also incriminates him. So I don't yeah, know. I don't know. that's the whole gray area. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nope. Awesome. No pinball machines. That's why it's not a French New Wave movie. No There's always pinball machines. machines. Yeah. Uh, fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. So I just like this, like, <laughs> like, uh, I like the, the and even, though I, I did, even though I did say I fell asleep, I do like the, like, the stripped down style. Uh, it kind of, like, almost, uh, another comparison. It kind of feels like Ruffin a little bit in that. It's very stylistic, but also very stripped down at the same time. Mm-hmm. What'd you say it was like? Reffin. I don't know what that is. Nicholas Winding Reffin. Oh. You have, Who's you, that? You, I'm just kidding. No, okay. I, okay, I know who that is, yes. But do you know, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> with like, it's His style is very simplistic and direct, yeah, but it's down, also... Yeah. Meticulous. But it's also very, like, stylish and... Mm-hmm. Uh, right, like, like intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I feel like that that's like um, what they say of when the auteur, auteur theory comes up, you know, like you could definitely see what style, yeah, you know, and be like, oh, this must be a Melville movie, or this must be a Reffin movie, or yeah, yeah. you'd get it. Yeah, yeah, you can. T- I mean, especially when you put this against Le Samurai and Le Cirque Rouge, like they're very similar styled. <laughs> like you can tell it's a Melville movie. Yeah, it's like the like uh in the in the police station, I think in every police station scene there's like a the camera movement would in conversation would just move slightly between each person when they would talk, and just mm-hmm. like little stuff like that is just always blows me away, and I don't know why I love it every time, but I just love seeing that scene like uh there's like a scene in a room and people talking, but like in if they're close together and just the camera moving focusing on on each person talking because uh, like uh, Inglourious Bastards has a moment like that that I remember mm-hmm. in a theater I, I stood up and clapped because like I just love that <laughs> short little moment of like oh uh, do this again I love this Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking of another there's another shot that reminded me again of like 70s kind of action movies was when uh, I was surprised to see it in this movie just because I have not really associated that much with New Wave where it's like a wide shot and then they zoom in it's almost like um, it was mostly like a street scene like there was like a wide shot of like goo you know I don't know walking down the street and then they would zoom in on him um it felt very like documentary, but it also felt like later, like again, like French Connection and stuff yeah. like that. It was it's really interesting. That's what the Italians would do, but the Italians did it in the seventies because they had a, a lot less time to shoot movies, and so they would like do a lot of zoom ins, yeah, uh, for dramatic effect, just because like they had not much time and not much money to work with. Through, like <laughs> it's effective. Like, yeah, let's do a short time zoom ins. <laughs> There is the scene towards the end where the guy who I don't know the name of, but he is the um, the other person that they originally asked to join the job. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, um, he's kind of like fair-haired. Yeah, he's a he also is very distinctive. Yeah. And uh, when he goes into the room that they're going to have the meeting in, mm-hmm. and he you know he practices pulling out the gun. 
from a shelf above. Uh, at the first shelf, that looks like a little <laughs> fire extinguisher station, uh, he puts the gun there and then puts his hand down and then the camera just very slightly moves up because it's like, uh, that's actually the wrong angle. You know, it's not like, <laughs> we're not going to retake the shot or anything like that. Just move the camera slightly up. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Now, continue. <laughs> I think it's, is it Orloff? Yeah. I think Orloff is the one that, yeah. Yeah, because yes. he's the one that first gets him, like pitches it to him. Oh, geez, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, the picture on Letterboxd, this guy is kind of scary looking. He's kind of, he does not blink as far as I remember in this movie. Yeah. Like, that's something kind of, uh, like, unsettling about that character is that he does not blink. His eyes are gray. Yeah, they're very light. Wow. Ooh, like McFoster eyes. Mm-hmm. What? McFoster. <laughs> she has those terrifying, like, gray eyes. Oh, Meg Foster. Yes, you're you are correct. Yeah, Evil Lynn said. And yeah, I thought you were saying Mick Foster. Oh, yeah, no. I was like, like someone's you, last name. You got a frosty? What's going on here? Oh. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah. Joel, you, you know her from uh, the He-Man movie. She's yes, Evil and Lynn. also they live. Yeah, they live. And a very small moment in Twin Peaks: The Return. Yeah, I love that part in Twin Peaks: Return. Hmm. <laughs> Mr. Jackpot. The, um, mm-hmm. that room, though, that both scenes with, like, Orloff and then later with Goo are incredibly tense. Like, oh, definitely. they're very effective. <laughs> when, when Orloff took out the gun he had in his pocket, I was like, yeah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> no, you, you knew what they would do. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, and then Goo comes in again, John Woo style. Yep. Two guns. Double. Pointing in both directions, like it's you know, and I trust like you trust him that he's gonna be able to aim those very correctly with both hands. Yeah, and I didn't, I, I, I didn't think he'd get shots off. I thought they would all kill him, and then the police would break in. I, 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 and I, I was pretty, them. Yeah, yeah. I, I was pretty sure that uh, he was like they were gonna get him before he got them. Yeah, like because even though he like it's a whole like older criminal he's slowing down and like thing like and you, he, but he still has like i still thought like well in this moment he doesn't have it and he uh, there's no like real moment from my memory there's no real moment of weakness like he's still fully capable even though he's like a middle-aged upper middle-aged mm-hmm. like career criminal yeah i think the reason why like, if that was a different character, they might have tried to make a move before he he did. And I think the reason why they're scared of him is because he kills people, like, 100%. Yeah. Uh, hesitate to, to take somebody out. Even after the job that you do, totally successful, he's like, make sure to tell, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, the nice brother. <laughs> oh, uh, um. Sorry. Richie? Uh, no, Paul. I can't remember. Yes, Paul. Paul, Paul Richie. Paul Richie. Yeah. Uh, you know, whoever informed him, that's going to be a problem. So tell him he needs to take care of it. And it's like, that's cold. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a career criminal, because, and, like, like, they are scared of him because if you're good at being a criminal, like, if he wasn't good at being a criminal, he would have been killed ages ago. Like, he's had mm-hmm. so many jobs, I'm sure, that could have gone wrong, uh, but he's you know, pretty masterful at his craft. So 
he knows where to press that tension, I think. And the actor, Lino Ventura, uh, he uh, is Italian, but grew up in France. Anyway, he, he uh, spent most life in France, and like he's one of the most beloved French actors, even mm-hmm. though like he is by like uh, ethnically Italian. But he's also in Army of Shadows, the other Melville, that the one that got <laughs> rediscovered like 20 years ago or something. Or something because mm-hmm. it was it, 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 it was not available for a long time. That's what I just want to bring up that he's in at least one other Melville, and he's, he has a bunch of other stuff that I don't think has made it over here. They reference that he's Italian by using an Italian slur at one point. Yep. It's like we can't we can't not acknowledge that he's ta- that he's Italian. It's like I I wouldn't have known. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, he looked like Javier Bardem. But like a little more leathery. Uh, you know, he to me he looks like the the guy. There's this guy from the '80s that's in French like thrillers and stuff. Like he's one of the ugliest people I've ever seen. But the women in the movies are like, oh, I can't get enough of him. Like, not not to say that this actor is ugly. <laughs> he's just <laughs> he just looks like a a normal human. You know, mm-hmm. not not like a Hollywood movie star or anything like that. And his sister is smoking. Oh, wait. Yeah. Shouldn't have said that. She's very cute. <laughs> his um, sister. <laughs> yeah, his sister. <laughs> yeah. Well, and his, is his, I'm trying to think, because his name is Gustav. Uh, Min- Minda? Minda. Or something like that. Let me see. Yeah, I was just wondering yeah. if that was Italian at all. Like, I guess it is. If he's Italian, yeah. Because mm. he's an Italian, but he, play- and he plays in Italian and French. I mean, mm. those countries are so close together. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, cause I think Elaine Delon is French Italian, mm-hmm. also from. Correctly. And I think the writer of this, uh, is it like Jose something? But they in French they pronounce it. They call it Jose. I can't remember. Something like that. Yeah. Jose Giovanni. Yeah. So that's. I mean, he's that's Italian. So yeah, the even the the writer, you know, yeah. There's there's crossovers all all over. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Quinn is actually Mexican, as Spencer has told me. Yeah, yes. he is. Even though How come he, he wasn't always... in none of them Mexican movies I like. Well, because Hollywood told like was like you can't be uh, your own ethnicity. You have to be Italian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even Spike Lee had him play Italian. He plays a Greek too, I think, right? And uh, probably, I think. I he... think. Yeah. I don't. I don't think they differentiate between Greek and Italian a lot of times. It's like he's Greek while well, he's hanging out with all these Italians, and so now he's Italian. Okay, they're like well, okay, yeah, they're they're close. Why not? So yeah, this guy uh, Jose Giovanni, um, he uh, was a criminal himself. And was on oh. death row, it looks like. What? Uh, yeah, so he wrote this book, I guess, based on, um, like, people he was housed up with in prison. Wow. And, like, the, uh, you know, friendships and stuff. Did they oh. execute him? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, his, no, his I know they didn't, because there's a picture of him in 2001. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he died in 2004, oh. so he, he yeah. lived a long life. Oh yeah, so he and Melville have gotten along. Melville, uh, like, actually had like 
I don't I don't think he actually did criminal stuff, but he hung out with like actual legit criminals and people <laughs> did like kind of shady stuff. His his life could make if like, could make a movie like his actual real life. That would be cool. Like that's why like his crime movies like I don't don't say feel more realistic, but like there's a sense of of like he knows what he's talking about. Where you, like you can tell with movie with with like books and stuff, where it's like when someone actually knows has actually lived the experience and in Melville the case of like. Oh, you can tell he actually knows what these people are like. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So I guess, like, a minor pro. Well, I didn't say... It. Well, the plot wasn't hard to follow. It was just... They threw so many characters at you that, for me, it was just kind of hard to keep track of who's who. And I stopped taking notes. It became a thing of, like, I'm just enjoying this movie now. I don't... I, I don't want to stop and take notes because I know I'll miss something. Oh, they're... they're... Because it's going with this like realism thing uh, that that fits into noir and also what the Italians were doing slightly earlier, it, like I feel like there's enough downtime where you could like okay he's walking in a room, he's checking the shutters, uh, he's going to a chair, I gotta scribble some notes or take a little nap. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also the good guys and the bad guys, like, they're very similar, too. Yeah. That's yeah. always hard. Yeah. It's a thin uh, and blue line. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's... Uh, let's see. I forgot. Well, I was going to say, in, like, you know, to me, because to me, this really did feel like a like a noir, like a Paul, New- uh, Paul Muni or something. Um in the forties and or thirties and uh, in those, it's always like it's this, everyone's presenting the same level of tough guy, whether or not they're carrying a badge is like something you kind of have to figure out, but like they don't immediately present themselves as being like good or bad. They're all just like tough. <laughs> and when you have this like, you know, same level of toughness, it's just hard. It's hard to <clears throat> differentiate, I guess. Yeah, uh, the watching this makes me, and no, and hearing from people who have who are like big Melville fans that like Los Samurai is the outlier makes me more optimistic to watch other ones. Because I, I I really I really did enjoy. It. I'll probably well watch this again uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. I know, like this also kind of feels like a dad movie to me. Like this feel like a oh, like, it's, it's absolutely a dad movie, <laughs> Professor. <laughs> Yeah, the whole cast is older and everything. Yeah, okay. like... That's another thing that kind of separates it from most of the new wave. You know, usually it's about young people yeah. living in that terrible time period. Yeah, like young hot people, and this is like <laughs> right, right. 50-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not nearly as much smoking either. Yeah, they know you see, you see a couple cigarettes, but yeah. Oh, uh, excuse me. Uh, don't you remember the synchronized smoking slash dancing scene? Oh, that's true. That's <laughs> yeah. true. It's like an homage to smoking. That and was that, and to me. I felt like because I I saw uh, saw a lot of people say it's like a a neo noir or noir. I don't know yeah. when neo noir became when, when it's neo noir and what's not. But this is like that feels like a tribute or an acknowledgement of like of like the forties and yeah. like Hollywood stuff. 
and I love that you see two different routines, and then mm-hmm. you see them practicing. It's like, oh, this is nice. It, like <laughs> you see how the sausage is made. I mean, yeah, this whole movie's about making that sausage. I know, right. but it's just a, it's a sausage factory. Am mm-hmm. I right? Yeah, that is true. Sausage fest. <laughs> well, like that. Fest. That's like part of meticulousness. You see, like the detail of like the how the restaurant or works. You see, like mm-hmm. the dancers aren't just magically there. They have to practice and rehearse it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you get all, all these little details, and it's that's, that's that is a nice detail to have a scene. It's it's like reverse high and low, where we spend more time. With the police, I think in that, and, and slightly peeking on the criminal, right? Or yeah. am I thinking of a different? I know the criminal doesn't really show up until like the last maybe thirty minutes, forty minutes. What is the one where Toshiro Mufune loses his gun? A uh, stray dog. Stray dog. Mm. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. That one, I think. I think you're with Toshiro basically the whole time. Damn. I need to watch Stray Dog right now. Goodbye. Yeah, that, that's a great one. Yeah. That, uh, I love that curse. That, that's like the, one of the first like truly Kurosawa movies. And when it's like beloved about Kurosawa, he it says it, it's, his, it's his worst movie and he hates it. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. He, he, he's this, uh, he has a long quote about why he's so disappointed with it. And it's like, I, I don't agree with this at all, Akira. This is hardly <laughs> one of your best movies. <laughs> Dear Mr. K, <laughs> I just. Right, um, Aaron, have you seen any of the um, Kurosawa um, noir movies? Um, does Drunken Angel count? Uh, I would yeah, say I so. Yeah, yeah, I've seen yeah. that one. Um, I, I can't think of any others. High and Low, I guess. Yeah, High and Low, and and definitely the one we were just talking yeah, about, Straight Dog. Dog. Straight Dog. I feel like, um, uh, no, the, 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 the family one, what, what the is, one with Richard Gere? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. That is a good one, though. No, the one mm. where Toshiro is an old man, he has old man makeup. Oh, yes, uh, oh, shit. Uh, it, 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 that's kind of noir I'm looking it up right bit. now. Yeah, no, it, it. Uh, has oh, the one where he's a where he is an old man? No. Yes. Well, he's oh. not. An old, yeah, he's playing. He's playing oh. an old man. Yeah, he was like forty, and he. Uh, I live like in fear. Star. Yeah, yeah. I he's, live in fear. Yes. No, no, no not I forty. I think he's like thirty-five in that one. <laughs> wow. But like, he's playing like a seventy-year-old. He's got the makeup on. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I've, of all of these, I've only seen Drunken Angel, which I love. Yeah. Scandal's a comedy. <laughs> Is it? I mean, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a also a Christmas movie. Journalist that ends up being yeah. a nice person. I don't know. It's basically a Frank a Frank Cra- a Crapper a Frank Capra. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Frank, Frank oh, Capra man. dropped it. <laughs> we're, we're tearing down so many <laughs> walls today. Yeah, it's a Frank Capra. Um, it's curse. I was. A Capper movie, basically. Yeah. What I live in fear is. Um, a scandal. Oh, a scandal. Yeah. One yeah. wonderful. All right. So this, since this is kind of noir-ish, uh, mm-hmm. I have a question for you, Aaron. Uh, I have. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen any actual classic noir films. 
where should I start if I haven't really seen any? I, I've seen like later noir stuff like this and uh, mm -hmm. Dark City and whatnot, but I've never seen like the classic era. Where should I start for classic era? So I would say um, Out of the Past with Robert Mitchum is, I think, like the creme de la creme of like those classic ones. Um, Double Indemnity with uh, Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck is also very good. Um, and I mean, by the word double, you can also guess there's some double crossing in that one as well. Whoa. Um, that's very good because you also get the you get like the femme fatale in that, um, which you also get in Out of the Past as well. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, oh, the um, is it the kill? There's two uh, Kubrick ones. Yeah, the killers. Like, killers. Yeah, and Killers Kiss. I think. And yes, yeah, something Kiss. Um, which one is the one? Oh. Is it the killing? The Ki killing. The kill. Oh, is that okay? The, the I killing. Seen the killing. Yeah, that's Sterling Hayden, and yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. It happens. Um, there's like a, a scheme around a racetrack. And, oh, I guess you know, I have seen the killing. Yeah, it's very good. So that one I would also kind of categorize as a as a noir. Yeah, that's kind of later. That's in the fifties, but um, okay. yeah. It's it you know it's it's pretty similar to this style because it's a heist and stuff like that yeah. Um, uh, how do you feel about the third man? Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Mm. You don't like it? No, no, I like oh, it. A okay, lot. I, just, oh, yeah, I yeah. just didn't know if uh, Spencer would like it. You never know. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> I I Cla can't predict yeah. Spencer's. Classic Hollywood is a huge blind spot. If it's not like. It's pretty much a couple musicals. No, it's no, it's like musicals and westerns. So dad movies and like theater kid movies is basically all the <laughs> classic Hollywood I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, Big Sleep is one with Humphrey Bogart. So like that, you get him in the noir. That's very good. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, Third Man, I do think that you would like also because it's there's a European element. Um, the interesting thing about that movie is that you don't meet like the villain until like two thirds of the way into the movie and it's, like it's Orson Welles and so you automatically he's just charming even though he's yeah. you know in real life he was a jerk but um, <laughs> yeah well he also yeah he's he a very complex person is the absolutely yeah we all are yeah <laughs> But politically, uh, I, he did some cool, pretty cool stuff. Uh, Out of the Past is directed by uh, Jacques Tunea, who did Cat People. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, I like Cat People. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You will like it. Yeah. Hopefully. So, yeah, that, I mean, when you get Tuner, like, you're you're definitely going to uh, get some shadow and light and, like, that really beautiful angled shots like dutch angles and stuff of okay. that noir is kind of famous for all right and uh, i recently heard well not recently it's like a few months ago someone on some show talked about sterling hayden and they posed a posed a question was he actually a good actor or was he just tall no. and attractive he's not a good actor <laughs> but he is a tall i and think attractive. <laughs> well no not just that i think he is it's 
he's used brilliantly and it's almost like how David Lynch uses actors where like they're so wooden or so like B movie on their own Mm -hmm. that like the director can completely like influence them. Um, I think Sterling Hayden is brilliant because he's not a good actor (laughs) because he's so wooden. Mm. Oh, um, does the long goodbye, the, yeah, that, 40, that counts. The seventies one count as a noir. That's a neo. That would be oh, a neo noir, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah I would say once you're getting to the seventies, oh, okay. Like, because I would think like, even I think probably Le Samurai honestly is maybe the turning point mm-hmm. from noir to neo noir. Okay. And uh, also Sterling Hayden is in the Long Goodbye. And he's actually mm-hmm. drunk in, in that scene he's in. Oh, which is really... that's probably some of his best acting. <laughs> he's yeah. just yeah. He's... I'm I'm sure Altman just told him do whatever. I don't want, I want to deal with you. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Think uh, Hemingway, but more drunk." Yeah, taller and more intimidating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a a lot of crossover with noir and and new wave because uh, i was thinking like um uh louis mal like the um mm-hmm. elevator to the gallows, to the gallows. Mm-hmm. that's super noiry because like it's this thread of like nothing you do matters <laughs> mm-hmm. it's this thread of like total ennui total fatalism um you know you're gonna die probably by the end of this movie yeah. Might as well be beautiful and smoke a ton of cigarettes yeah. <laughs> before that happens. Hey, so Joel, I haven't mentioned this in a while. Remember their old running joke of, that's been on my Netflix DVD queue for blank years. <laughs> that's been on my DVD queue for maybe eight years at this point. Mm. Elevator I, to the Gallows? Yep, I keep moving it back. It's very so you would You would really like it. You There's should so much tension. The yeah, the queue yeah. is like over 400 at this point, so... I don't. I don't want to look for it in there. It's, that's what my watch list on Letterboxd is for. I'm definitely never going to watch all of those watch lists, but every once in a while, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, okay," you know, hit play. I feel that way about my to be read lit, like my to read list. Mm. If I put it on, because I use Goodreads, if I put it as a, oh, I want to read this, I'm going to put it on my want to read list. It's like a death knell. Like, I, I will never read that book because I put it on that list. That's just how like, it happens. Pick, pick cer- certain books that people have told me I need to read that I don't want to. I'll just yeah. put it on this you list. Just, yep, I just pile it up. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious what you think. Don't tell me if you don't like it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, d- definitely don't do that. Reach out if you like any of them. Okay. <laughs> I, I think the only Humphrey Bogart movie I've ever seen is Sabrina. I'm pretty sure that's the only one. Oh, that's it's a good one. That's a good one. I don't like him in that I one. But Sabrina, <laughs> it seems like that was. He seems movie. like he doesn't give a shit about her, and now it's like, no, actually, I'm in love with your baby, even though I'm 50 years older than you. <laughs> yeah, but that's the movie I realized like Audrey Hepburn is incredible and got me watching her movies, and then oh yeah, oh, she's in that movie. Yeah, an angel. She was yeah. an angel on earth. She's <laughs> always the best part of her movies. The yeah. movies are usually fine at best. <laughs> Roman Holiday is great. I love Roman Holiday. Yeah, Roman Holiday is really good. Yeah, but the, the, a good chunk of them are just like, yeah, they're good, but she's the best part. 
everything she, else. She did she did some very iconic movies and then she did a bunch of other things that people don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also fuck breakfast at uh, Brexit Tiffany's. It's uh, <laughs> well, yeah, fuck it's, them yeah, it's yeah, it's not good. It's I don't know who who was what what idiots <laughs> were like. This is a treasure that every we're gonna take so many <laughs> pictures of her. What about making Rooney shut up? <laughs> shut up. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so second breath. Uh, almost a Truffaut. Uh, <laughs> Truffaut would never make a movie like this. It's too too. I don't know. Have it's a, not uh, introspective enough. Yes. I think. There we go. I guess we've like, only done like one true foe, right? Uh, soft skin, mm-hmm. bride wore black, which oh, I guess okay. is kind of a noir. I yeah. don't know if that. Well, right. mm, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, good. Uh, pretty good book. Uh, pretty pretty good book. I'll say that. It, it's not great, but it's pretty good. Mm. It's a very quick, pretty good pitches. <laughs> it, uh, it's a pretty. It's also a quick read, if you're a slow reader like I am. And me, yeah. Uh, and the ending's garbage, by the way. the The movie <laughs> improves on the ending <laughs> so much. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, it's Melville. It's currently easily available. In the future, I don't mm-hmm. know. That's how that's a, how streaming works. You never fucking know what's going to come that's down right. when. I saw it on Criterion. I have a Criterion channel, so mm. it was, yeah, it was on there. And also, you can find a. I think that it got a Blu-ray recently and stuff, and um, a second breath. So yeah, it's it's out there. It's easily available. Cool. And uh, if you like crime movies, crime movies, then check it out. If I don't know if the one last job story you yeah. don't like, uh, probably skip it. It's probably not for <laughs> you. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're a person who likes heist movies in general, I mean, if you're into Michael Mann, Thief, and and other stuff like that, this will definitely be right up your alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, can I can I note something here? Uh, going back to Brotherhood of the Wolf, yeah. the remake of Second Breath that is uh, titled in, Engl- in English The Second Wind has Monica Bellucci in it. So. Oh. Hmm. Oh, I, I love her. Is she check the that sister? Out. I think so, yeah. Huh. She's a second listed cast member. Yeah. Also, I wonder if Megan Sunday has seen Second Breath because there's a, a, an animal print robe in it that's like, my first thought was, I wonder if Megan has that. <laughs> 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 she loves animal prints. She does. Uh, so, uh... Uh yeah, so recommendations for sixties. I don't. Should we do comparisons to blow up? Is there are there really any comparisons to blow up? Um, I, mean, I blow up. Yeah. no. I mean, blow up. The thing about blow up is that it's this is a very ensemble movie, whereas blow up is very like individual. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't think there's many comparisons. All right. That's my thought. I I think that Blow Up has noir touches as well. Yeah. It has a a bit of a femme fatale, you know, Mm -hmm. she doesn't fatale anybody, but, uh, you know, she's not on the up and up. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he's, he is working to solve this and we're, we're watching like the pieces he's putting together very meticulously. I I like the, uh, 
and this movie has that, of course, with the the heist mm-hmm. itself. And the, uh, both of them put Spencer to sleep at one point. <laughs> the use I was going to say the use of silence is is pretty key in both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like one it's, is it's very well done. I thought. One is definitely more action. One is more artsy. I don't yeah. know, like they're, I, they're like the worlds apart. But yeah, yeah the the the, par- the comparisons this season are just excuses of like I've never seen this, so I guess I'll put these together. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say that the in this movie in Second Breath, it was very shocking when those two young women came in and uh, Goo started taking photos of them while they got naked. That was weird. <laughs> Yeah, it was such a weird comparison. Um, I will say this one is apparently Melville's last black and white movie, and the uh, blow up is Antonioni's first English movie. <laughs> so they're both kind of noteworthy in that way. Interesting. Um, oh, we did another Antonioni uh, shortly after that. Have you seen uh, Eclipse? No, I haven't seen Eclipse. Oh, um,. Eclipse is the one I kind of like, but uh, part of it is that it it's very political and leftist and talks about stuff. And there's a weird blackface scene that comes Ugh. out of nowhere. No, it it, it, it serves a purpose, but okay. it's also very jarring <laughs> when you're mm-hmm. not expecting it. Sure. Didn't you guys, you did Love and Chura, didn't you? Uh, yep. Yes. Yeah, that's Antonioni, right? Yeah. Yep. That's that's the one where Spencer was like, "Oh no, yeah, you're doing like, like four of these." Yeah, God you don't damn. like Antonioni, right? Shit, yeah. Yeah. you got that's Eclipse a, though. Well, I'll watch Eclipse. Apparently, I heard that Jack Nicholson one is pretty good. Uh, hmm. I don't, I don't think it's worth a risk for you, strange. man. I mean, how yeah, you called? can just. But it deals with Africa stuff, so I'm kind of like, uh-huh. okay, I, right. that has me a little bit. And all movies are worth a shot, is is what I say. As long as they're not made by any crazy Christian right wing oh, bullshit. Yeah, yes. true. Yeah. Uh, the Passenger, is that the name of that movie? Mm-hmm. That's the one with. All right. Uh, all right. So, 66. We can already cover some stuff. You can repeat stuff if, if you guys feel like it. It doesn't. It, it, it's months apart. I don't think anyone will remember. <laughs> well, I did find one. Um, that I, I just watched recently, and I didn't realize it was 1966, but it's um, Torn Curtain, which Ooh. is Hitchcock, yeah. um, Paul oh, Newman, and Julie Andrews. Yeah, that's been on my uh, list of, I, I'll get to that, because that's a combination yeah. that sounds strange to me. Yeah, it's good. It's like, um, I mean, Torn Curtain, so it's the Iron Curtain, and so they uh, make their way into uh, East Berlin, mm-hmm. and then have to get out of East Berlin, which is you know, pretty hard to do in 1966. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked it. That's cool. Are there any musical numbers? Um, there, I think there might be some drinking, like, uh, like a kind of like singing while ska- drinking. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Okay. Cause you can't have um, Julie Andrews. Oh, well, <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, she's, mm. she's, uh, not her usual, um, sound of music type of person in this. What? No, she's first, good. Is that her like first big thing after sound of music? Mm. Or uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have no idea when Mary Poppins came. I out mean, yeah, whatever. Mary Poppins and um, um, I feel like Mary Poppins. Victor is, Victoria. Victor Victoria. Yeah. I feel like Mary Poppins is like 
later and 60s. The but Americanization of Emily, I feel like, is also in there. Aquaman. Yeah. Never mind. I get bed, knob, bed knobs and broomsticks and Mary Poppins confused in my head. No, oh, that has Murder She Wrote in it. No, wait, no, that isn't right. Is it? Yes, it is right. Bed knobs. She's yes. also uh, Angela Lansbury, also a very accomplished singer. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, uh, growing up, uh, me and my sister watched Bed knobs and Broomsticks and Mary Poppins a lot, and so in my brain, like they merge into the same thing. It <laughs> takes always takes a second to be like, no, 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 no that that's Bed knobs, and the other one is Mary Poppins. Uh, Spencer, you are right on the money, though. It is the first thing she did right after Sound of Music. Oh, oh. look at you. Mary Poppins hmm. and the Americanization of Emily were uh, two years before Torn Curtain. Hmm. And Victor Victoria was in 82, 1982. I didn't realize it was that late. I thought yeah. it was like maybe in the early 70s. But Wow. Oh, that's cool. I didn't yeah. realize. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So, uh, 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 what? Do you have anything else? Um, I, just because this is such a dude-heavy movie, I did look and see that there is one of my favorite books of all time came out this year, 1966, Valley of the Dolls. Um, it is, I've read, it's like, I don't, I read a lot, but I don't reread a lot of books. Um, however, I have probably read that book maybe three times at this point, which is a lot for me, Hmm. um, because I enjoy it so much. It's very trashy, very soap opera-y very 60s um yeah highly recommend movie's great but the book is amazing the book itself is supposed to be like a tell-all kind of right not like it's it's supposed to be based on secret hollywood facts or something like that yeah yeah they yeah yep yeah there's no like one person there's no like one-to-one like oh this is definitely about you know so and so but they're definitely there's like amalgamations of Hollywood rumors mm. that make their way in there. Yeah. Oh, uh, this reminds me of the, of the noir thing we talked about. Um, one of my favorite books uh, is The Maltese Falcon. I've read it three times. Mm. And I've never seen the movie because I, I love the book so much. I I feel like I might hate the movie and nitpick it just because I've read the book so much. And yeah. Like, because I, I think I read it when I was 17. Mm-hmm. Like, at that, like, right perfect age. And it's one of the things that's like, I never want very formative. Yes, I never want to mm-hmm. like see uh, see it on screen because <laughs> like it it's just means so much to me. So oh, I totally get that. There's a lot of stuff that I refuse to watch because I love the the book of it so much. So yeah, I totally get that. And uh, you can you can go with daisies again because that's yeah universal. Daisies is a solid one. Mm-hmm. Very feminine. Oh so, well, heist movies though. Um, how to Steal a Million came out in 1966, which is, again, Audrey Hepburn. Um, and it's, um, oh my God, why am I totally blanking on his uh, name? O'Toole, Peter O'Toole. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's a really fun heist movie. Yeah, uh, I don't think I have a Peter O'Toole impression. I have to work on that. <laughs> Just watch Supergirl. Squirt. <laughs> <laughs> <Split. laughs> okay. There you go. Um, let's see. Uh, are you you got any more? Or? That's all I had. All right, for me, uh, Afuru, nineteen sixty six. It's a novel by Flora Nawapa. She was uh, 
a politician, educator, writer. She did so many things uh, during her lifetime. She's the first woman to hold... I forgot what the, what the position was. But it was like uh, a very high up government position in Nigeria uh, at the time. And she's the first woman to ever ascend to that level politically. And... Um, wow. And uh, Furu is uh, this, a story of a woman who... And who's like who who was uh what's the word um she she trades goods and it's a story of her life and her marriages and it's it's a downer of a book but it's it's really good it just in in like uh the thing that makes her stick out from the others of that uh wave of nigerian writers is she was the one woman everyone else well was was a man and so everything was was from a male perspective and this is ex- a very explicitly female perspective and um, she was friends with with all of them but by the end of her life she kind of stopped talking they stopped talking to all of them and they stopped talking to her and I've tried to look into why but I couldn't find any real reason but they kind of just uh, left her out and so she's kind mm-hmm. of forgotten a little bit compared to like Chinua Achebe, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, she definitely needs to be more uh, remembered. Uh, she, I think she's the first one that died of the group too, which also kind of led to her being forgotten, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, so Afuru is a great, and also like I always say with these African novels from this from this time, they're all pretty short. They mm-hmm. they're always quick reads. And okay, what else is there? Um, oh, definitely. That sounds really interesting. I'm looking it up to see if my library has it. Oh, they probably E E F U R U. Yes. Oh, I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Very cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Black Girl, which I think we were, we will be an episode at some point. Yeah, but, it's a short enough movie, so that that we don't need that excuse. Yeah, that's true. And and it's fucking great. Yeah. yeah. Who does that one? Who that, is that? Simbin. Oh, okay. Uh, the, well, the first, I think one of the first sub-Saharan African films, if not the first. But anyway, yeah, Black Girl, it's, uh, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's an hour. It's, uh, I think it's. It's on Criterion. Yeah. I don't want to sound like preachy, but it, it's an important movie that should be seen, but it actually is like a really uh, like it is an important movie that definitely should be seen. Mm-hmm. Which, when people say that to me, my my gut reaction is "fuck off." I, I don't need to watch it, but like I I <laughs> I'm trying to be sincere. Like it does need to be seen. Yeah, when somebody tells you The Godfather is an important movie that needs to be seen, you can take that with several grains of salt. But this, yeah, Black, Black Girl is so unique and and clear on messaging and like well such a well-delivered well just a really good movie like so no reason not to watch it because it you will be entertained but it's also important yeah it's the last one uh (laughs) yeah irizumi irizumi uh uh, masamura masamura movie it's uh it's I see it as kind of a, a rape revenge movie that without the rape mm. it's more a symbolic that sounds gross but it's not <laughs> it's not 
it's not like I spent in your grave, but it, it's just it's like a it's like a a way of getting around like the really aggressive part of it, where it's like okay, it's kind of a metaphor, sort of, kind of, mm-hmm. and it's kind of noirish in some ways. And this woman, she gets a tattoo of a demon spider on her back against her will, and then Ooh. she tracks down the men responsible and. It's kind of melodramatic. Yeah, it's like a violation. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm not crazy in thinking it's kind of a (laughs) rape. Oh, that's absolutely metaphorical for, yeah. What is it called again? Uh, Irizumi. It means tattoo, I believe. I R E. Yeah, I see it. I R E Z U M I. Oh, yeah, it means it's the Japanese word for tattoo. And uh, I have a Region 2 DVD from like years ago. And I did a, I reviewed it on my on my blog site, uh, Jailhouse Seven Zero One Japanese Cult Cinema a couple of years ago, and then it came out on Blu-ray on Criterion last year, and all of a sudden, uh, my reviews uh people started reading that review a whole bunch, and hmm. it's happened a couple of times with some other movies I reviewed on there. But uh, Irizumi, it's there you go, really good. Yeah, uh, it looks great. Kind of a downer, but you kind of. The, the the first few scenes you're like you know this is going to be a depressing movie to sit through it's out there I don't know I I have the DVD from like 10 years ago so I, I don't know where you can stream it but it's you can find it if you look for it alright J-Dog uh, so I, I know I've, I've recommended this before and I'm probably going to say exactly what I said the last time but I don't care another fantastic like super good like i think i'm gonna go watch it after we're done with this podcast and then i'll watch uh, stray dog uh is the movie gambit hmm. uh so it stars michael Caine and shirley mclean and i don't want to spoil what happens so i'll just say it's a heist movie and they're both super charming because they're who they are and you'll notice in the beginning that shirley mclean does not say anything stick with it it has nothing to do with like we don't want the woman making noises or anything like that (laughs) i'm not going to spoil what happens but at the middle point something happens that is so impossible in my mind to pull off like i think of the movie well this is going to give away something but there there's something similar that happens in the movie laura where i'm just like no Uh, mm -hmm. no that's Um, a noir that's another noir yeah laura and th- this is heist comedy, and it's so good. I, for some reason, I, I feel like it's um, might be one of those that like they didn't keep up the registration on or whatever it is, and you could just mm. watch it on YouTube. Right, right, right. But it's it's for rental all over the place, and the the heist itself is super entertaining. Kind of kind of a Ocean's Eleven without the eleven people, you know. Just yeah. Super fun. So, the poster looks very fun. Yeah, I like, like that. It makes it. It says, "Go ahead, tell the end. It's too hilarious to keep secret, but please oh. don't tell the beginning." Yes, that's. I understand that, but that's cute. Yeah, I would totally watch that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and since I've we've done so many '66 movies, we've done a bunch. I, I just haven't really watched anything else that I'm I'm that keen on recommending uh so i'm gonna go to books for probably the first time on this podcast ever <laughs> what and talk about yep are you uh, are you really joel 
No. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been waiting to tell you. I've been replaced by an intelligent android. Uh, th- is this like Last Starfighter? Are you a creepy cyborg? Oh, Neo yeah. Noir. It's Blade Runner. <laughs> Are you that missing... robot starts to get it on. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you missing your face like in that terrifying scene in Last Starfighter? Oh, yeah. No, uh, I actually look like the, the guy who's doing the training. Oh. <laughs> oh, fun. I like that movie. I love that movie. We're not talking about that, though. I know. Uh, so, uh, Richard Stark, a.k.a. Donald Westlake, uh, the Richard Stark Parker novels, they're they're pretty famous, but I'm not, I'm not a reader. I don't... I used to read a lot when I was a kid, and at some point, I just kind of, my, I think my attention deficit disorder just evolved in a way that I couldn't keep concentrating unless the book was, like, just what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. But with these, they're, I don't think they're usually over 200 pages. And Parker is a career criminal. He is a stereo, kind of stereotypical tough as nails, like, you can't penetrate him with any sort of like joyful emotion he treats people as things like you know tools for Mm -hmm. what he needs to get done and he's really good at what needs to get done so uh the two two books came out this year the seventh so is he a, a ripley type character a tom ripley type only in the sense that he keep you know each story is a different place he's had to move like in this in the second book he has to get plastic surgery because of you know people are looking for him that was just something people did (laughs) you know criminals would just do whatever version of plastic surgery they had back then you know joe shishido cheeks or whatever uh but they're i love (laughs) these books they're they're super easy to read uh the current types that are coming out are these like bright red and and yellow and green and the covers themselves have like this shadow gun or a shadow purse and stuff like that like that like just the just looking at the book is appealing but each of the stories i just like couldn't put it down and i was like okay i gotta buy the next one you know 8.99 or whatever <laughs> okay that's gotta awesome. buy the next one yeah do you so, ever listen to books I, yeah, that's that's what I do whenever it's something that I, I'm definitely interested in, yeah. but I just don't feel like my brain is going to hold on to the words the same way. Like, yeah. that's how I did all the uh, George R.R. R. Martin oh, okay, yeah. stuff like that. And uh, I've listened to the audiobook for uh, Doctor Sleep like four times. Oh, yeah. The, um, the recent uh, Stephen King, the guy that does the Stephen King books are, is very good. Yeah, that's an actor who... I'm oh, did to... Ewan McGregor do it? No, it's... Um... Oh, the guy, yeah, he um, he was in Remember the Titans. Is yes. Like the... <laughs> I remember him in... Yeah, and... he's he's an amazing voice actor. Denzel? I remember his name, though. No, no, no. it's the white guy. It's the guy who makes... Um, who's like the dad of Hayden Pan... Panettiere or whatever. Oh, I'm is. looking it up. He's also in The Punisher with Thomas Jane. Will Patton. Will Patton, ugh, yes, he yeah, has like such an amazing. The vice president from voice. Iron Man three. No, was he the vice that president? That is not the pre- the vice president. Oh, he's not. Li- Who's he's not Man? listed as an actor in. He has like a gravelly kind of voice. He's in Armageddon. 
gone in 60 seconds. Yeah, I feel like he was big in, like, the like early 2000s. Yeah. That's why I remember the Titans. Like, Most recently, the the new Halloween 2018. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> uh, William Sand- Sadler is the president in yes. Iron Man 3. Okay. Uh. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Will Patton does, does an excellent job, but... Uh, you let yeah. I don't bother with it. I'm sure there are excellent audiobooks of the of Parker novels. There's definitely several excellent movies, and some really really shitty ones too. <laughs> but uh, almost none of them refer to the character as Parker because Donald Westlake didn't want his character to be in a movie while he, while he was still alive. Uh, so people work around it by Porter or, you know, oh, pop, I see. you know, other things like that. Uh, yeah. So I can't recommend those books enough. Cool. Yeah. Even though I'd ordered one. Uh, yes. Made in America. Uh, Anna. No, wait. Which is the, which is the book? No. Um, no. Anna, Anna Karina. Is that the name? That was based on a book? No. She has a similar name to a Russian book. I always forget. Which is it? Anna Karina? Yeah, it's Aaron Karina. Okay, Car- I, I did say uh, it right. Anna Karina. Okay. Mm. Is Karina the book? Yeah, the book yes. is Anna Karina. Okay. Karina. But Made in America, Anna, Anna Karina. This is, is based on The Big Sleep and The Jugger. The Jugger is the Richard Stark novel. Yeah. yeah and she's a Parker character, apparently. Oh, cool. I haven't seen that movie. Uh, payback. I used to love Payback in the '90s. Now I'm like most people. I I don't want to see Mel Gibson, but it, it's that's a fun movie if you don't care about Mel Gibson as much as I do. Uh, and uh, there is an excellent one I saw with. Um, oh man, I wish. I could oh, remember. so Payback was. Payback is based on the first novel. Oh wow. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's, I, I remember seeing that movie. He's the one named Porter. Porter. Wow. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I never, I don't think I would have tied them all to these books. The The movie I'm trying to remember is Point Blake from 1967, just the year oh, after. John Borman. And yeah. Lee Marvin is like what I imagine Parker would be like. like <laughs> that's just awesome. super strong and silent and, you know, an un unstoppable force when he needs to be and that's just an that's an excellent like almost psychedelic movie if mm-hmm. you haven't seen that yeah one. i like point blank mm-hmm. okay i'm done talking <laughs> <laughs> great these are all good these are good book recommendations i'm very excited to read some of these yeah cool uh, the only uh philip k dick came out that year was um the crack from space the crack in space but that must have been some real good crack. No, no he did pills. <laughs> that, that's pretty well known. Oh. Um, no, then I recommend that one before. That, that's a good starter uh, one uh, for like his style and if, if you're going to be in for it. Because he pretty much made, like in essence, the same type of story over and over again. And uh, I... I, I I, I read. I've come across people in my life who can't stand his books, and it's like, yeah, I, I get it. It's kind of a, a specific taste. But uh, he's also very, very masculine. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's my big complaint with him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, 
on an interesting note, he went to high school with Ursa K. Le Guin. Holy cow! Oh, uh, yeah, they are the same uh, uh, class, too. That's crazy. Yeah. I love her. They took her. cheerleading together. No, they. I don't think they were each other. She was super rich. Her dad was like a professor, college professor. Yeah, and she's like an heiress. Was, and uh, uh, Philip was um his mom. Uh, his mom was divorced and normal job, and like he was a like uh, didn't have the same type of childhood that uh, Ursula K. Le Guin had. Mm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's, we'll, that's fascinating. Yeah, I like that trivia. Uh, okay, so this will come out in, I don't know, a month from now? No, probably two months from now. I have no clue, <laughs> honestly. Uh, we're still on our uh, break uh, trying mm, to get stuff mm-hmm. recorded. So Sure. Yeah, so uh, uh, Aaron, uh, yeah. are you going to have uh, Talk of the Ton uh, coming uh-huh. out? Yep, Talk of the Ton is um, Bridgerton podcast that I do with my friend Elle, and um, we are we're almost finished recording. Um, we did a like commentary tracks for each episode of um, the first season of Bridgerton, and the second season is coming out in March. Um, so we'll be resuming um, new content, new episodes uh, when that happens. So yeah. Alright, anything else? That's all I have. I mean, I'm a public librarian, so I'm always going to tell you to support your public library. That's my plug. (laughs) Yeah. uh, uh, Sometimes (laughs) libraries have, like, Criterion DVDs, so you don't Mm -hmm. have to, like, shell out 50 bucks for one. They also, I would say, um, a lot of them have a streaming service of their own that you can access with your library card. It's called canopy and canopy is with a k K A N O P Y. um there is a lot of uh like you know hidden gems on there so a lot of like uh art house kind of movies but also like documentaries and stuff like that so check to see if your library has that yeah and also if you read comics there's always at least where i live a bunch of comics uh, and trade mm-hmm. paperback at the mm-hmm. library so you don't have to uh, spend a whole bunch of money on something you might hate. That's right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, always support your local library. It's not just <laughs> because you're here, but like, it's, uh, uh, uh yeah, the libraries are awesome. <laughs> uh, Thank you. For me, uh, oh, I think, uh, my episode of Mustachioed Podcast will, will be out by this point when I feel like releasing it. Uh, I convinced Daniel to talk to do an episode on Indian action movie, and he hates long movies, but uh, he trusts my taste, so I hope he likes a three-hour action epic full of mustaches and and muscle men who can dance really well and like Daniel, who's which is this a Daniel we know? Uh, no, no, so, someone oh, okay, from okay. like the Grindbend family that oh, I, I don't see. think Joel, do you know Daniel at all? I don't. I, I don't know you. Who are you? Okay. What are you doing <laughs> in my house? Well, he, okay, well, he's my other Mexican friend. <laughs> oh, you think we all know each other? Is that what you're saying? No. That sounds like a great title of a movie. My other <laughs> Mexican friend. No, he he's from Texas. He, it's a different, it, different region entirely. I think like San Antonio or some shit. 
But uh, anyway, <laughs> he has a whole podcast on like if there's if there's a mustache in the movie, then it counts. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll be on talking about. <laughs> I like action. that. Uh, yeah. Uh, cool. It's very masculine. He likes action movies and <laughs> masculine shit. Anyway, so and uh, I don't know other stuff potentially. I don't know. No, Aaron again. Uh, okay, Aaron. You want to? Nope, I'm like done. Libraries or something. Tapping out. Okay. Uh, arbitrary indiscriminate movie podcast will still be going on at this point. We're probably going to be at, at least into our third, maybe into our fourth series of picks. Uh, la- last, our second series was the David Spade episodes with. Uh, no, I forgot every movie we did. What was the first movie? Uh, wrong Missy, my pick. Oh, oh that's right. Okay, so great movie. Yeah, we come to the on, wrong Missy. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a perfectly fine movie. It, no. If you enjoy stuff, if you if you <laughs> want to see a good com- comedic performance by Lauren Lapkus, watch the mm. movie. Yeah, if you don't mind rape, that's it's it's stop. a great movie. No, oh, sorry. Stop. Uh, but that's what happens. <laughs> We didn't talk about it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and then after that, we did Lost and Found, which is... Oh, uh, I, I remember what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. There's two different parts that I consider sexual assault in that movie by yeah, Lauren yeah. Lapkus. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I anyway, remember what you're talking about. <laughs> Lost and Found is a 1990s David Spade starring movie where he's not playing like a weirdo character. He's He's playing the role that Adam Sandler usually gets to do, which is kind of a cool dude who gets in over his head when a beautiful woman comes along and i like all three of us thought it was super charming so that that one's gone and then after that we did the bench warmers which is which is fucking terrible <laughs> the worst like movie the, i've seen in a couple of years no yeah. no like it's got a couple of like very funny parts in it yes but the rest of it is either offensive or just shit. Mm. Sometimes literal shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. yeah. And I brought my my uh, high school friend I've known for over half my life on for that one for his first podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said that was very good. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. But he said, "Oh, I remember loving that movie," and <laughs> now I feel bad that famous last words. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, last the last of that series was Joe Dirt, which is why I'm such a Joe Dirt expert. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that that was just a regular that was a weird David Spade spinoff series that we did. Most of the time, it's just going to be movies that almost have no connection. Like uh, our our next series that will probably be out by now, starting with Hellbound Train, which is one of the first African American made and produced acted movie uh, silent films right yeah it's after metro but like not that long after metro yeah the 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 care the people who made the movie made it so they could take along when they were doing their preaching and of course the movie is all about oh that's interesting the things that the devil will take you down for like gambling and yeah. being a woman that was, <laughs> sure. that was kind of the like they're they're the black sin of the air a lot of it was religious space certainly that makes sense that's interesting yeah Yeah. some of it's good some of it is eh. yeah yeah and after that we're yeah 
for absolutely no connection, we're going to a Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin movie that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, but uh, something money. Oh yeah, uh, money, yeah. I don't no. know, but not money. Trading. On the cover, what's his name? Jerry Lewis is on a racehorse, so I think it has something to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, arbitrary. It'll be zany. Yep. Exactly. I bet. The Arbitrary and Discriminate Movie Podcast, because I wanted a name that no one will remember. <laughs> and uh, probably by the time this is released, I'll have done my first Let's Play, Let's Play, all together on YouTube, which is at Das Putin JDT Movies. Das Putin being my gamer tag, and JDT Movies being everything else. And uh, that was on Sherlock Holmes and the Hounds of the Baskerville, which is not, not a good game, but... You know, I have fun talking over it. And <laughs> I think fun. after that, I'm going to do another... I, I'm looking at East Shade, which is kind of like Mist, but much nicer. Like, you, you make, you're you a painter, so you make paintings hmm. for people and stuff like that. Uh, and talking animals. I don't know. I feel like I still have dreams about Mist sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I haven't played it since I was probably, like, I don't know, 13 or 14. But, like, I still sometimes have Mist dreams. Yeah. Hmm. so in my brain i don't know if you like puzzle games or not but baba is you is a really fun puzzle game hmm. where you kind of like, oh i didn't huh, huh? baba is you yes uh, and like you're a little creature and you like and there, there are certain rules and there and there are blocks and you have to change the rules of whatever the puzzle is to solve the puzzle and they can be very simple or extremely elaborate and it's I'm not good at them. I always have to look up the solution after like <laughs> 10 tries, but it's super fun just to play with the rules and try to figure out because it'll be like bot like lava is death or like lava is uh like life or something and, he, and you kind of like have to push blocks around to change what you can do. It, yeah, it, cool. Yeah. It's very simple and very engrossing when you get into it. I'll check it out. Yeah, so uh, anyways, more of those will be coming along, and that, that's about all I'm doing. Yeah, uh, my my various sites, African History 1 and the Japanese Movie 1, uh, they won't be updated. I'm not gonna, they're not going to be updated for a while, not until I'm done college. So uh, if you want to go through them again, go for it if, <laughs> if you want to, but it's going to be at least a year until I add until I update them again. <laughs> well, that's what, like with podcasts, I usually just start over again. So that's what people can do reading your stuff. Yeah, I have over 50 reviews on the Japanese movie one. The early ones, uh, early ones I don't like. Uh, they're poorly written and I should edit them, but I don't feel no. like doing it. No. I, I, I really yeah, think the first few are embarrassingly bad. Don't, that's, don't what every, that's what every artist thinks, though, about their yeah, like true. initial art. Like, just leave it. That's, yeah, that's what part Kurosawa of your journey. Thought yeah. about Stray Dog. Yeah, well, there I, you go. Yeah. See, and you love it. You <laughs> yeah. love Stray Dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I have a short story in on a certain uh, online we online website that I think I told you, Joel, about years ago. But mm. uh, it's out there. It's. I think it's terrible, but. I have you know, some other stuff out there if we search. What's it called? I won't say on here. <laughs> I, well, why'd you bring it up? <laughs> that's, that's, 
the part keys? of a mystery someone has to unravel. Yeah, if you can it's find it. because we have a, a librarian on the podcast. You're like, oh, I, I wrote a short story. I'm never going to tell anybody, but... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but part of being a librarian is that I can probably find it very easily. <laughs> That's my job. Yeah. Hotel detective. I think it's, I think Basically. it's been like eight years, maybe, since then. <laughs> Possibly. It's been it's been a while, but uh, yeah. I think, Joel, you're like one of the few people I've ever told that, told that about. Until I now. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I sent uh, you a link years ago. Oh, uh, Okay. Uh, yeah, that's it. Well, thank it. you both for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. That's yeah. Super fun every time, and yeah. you are good at talking movies. Oh, thanks. You guys too. Yeah, I have a fun time. Yeah, and uh, when we're done recording, I'll ask you about uh, another one we can do. Okay. On. But uh, <laughs> sounds yeah. good. Uh, what's coming out around this time? I don't know. Other stuff. Yeah. Ah, the, the, the schedules uh, is that all? There's no real schedule anymore. It's kind of when I feel like it. We're almost sure. done. More. Like your 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 head is already in the next season. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> all right. So stop. Yeah. Stop. Okay. Should I stop now? Yeah. 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 The show can be found on Twitter at. Piano Player Pod. Our email is still highlowpod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, sarahkathleenroberts.com. And thank you for listening.